0: section 27 of under fire the story of a squad this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org under fire the story of a squad by henri barbusse translated by william fitzwater ray chapter 23 the fatigue party evening is falling upon the trench all through the day it has been drawing near invisible as fate and now it encroaches on the banks of the long ditches like the lips of a wound infinitely great we have talked eaten slept and written in the bottom of the trench since the morning now that evening is here and eddying springs up in the boundless crevice it stirs and unifies the torpid disorder of the scattered men it is the hour when we arise and work Volpate and tourette approach each other another day gone by another like the rest of em says Volpate, looking at the darkening sky you're off it our day isn't finished replies tourette whose long experience of calamity has taught him that one must not jump to conclusions where we are even in regard to the modest future of a commonplace evening that has already begun Allons, muster we join up with the laggard inattention of custom with himself each man brings his rifle his pouches of cartridges his water-bottle and a pouch that contains a lump of bread Volpate is still eating with protruding and palpitating cheek paradis with purple nose and chattering teeth growls fouillade trails his rifle along like a broom martyreau looks at a mournful handkerchief rumpled and stiff and puts it back into his pocket a cold drizzle is falling and everybody shivers down yonder we hear a droning chant two shovels one pick two shovels one pick the file trickles along to the tool store stagnates at the door and departs bristling with implements everybody here gee up says the sergeant downward and rolling we go forward we know not where we go we know nothing except that the night and the earth are blending in the same abyss as we emerge into the nude twilight from the trench we see it already black as the crater of a dead volcano great grey clouds storm-charged hang from the sky the plain too is grey in the pallid light the grass is muddy and all slashed with water the things which here and there seem only distorted limbs are denuded trees we cannot see far around us in the damp reek besides we only look downwards at the mud in which we slide porridge going across country we knead and pound a sticky paste which spreads out and flows back from every step chocolate cream coffee creams on the stony parts the wiped-out ruins of roads that have become barren as the fields the marching troop breaks through a layer of slime into a flinty conglomerate that grates and gives way under our iron-shod souls seems as if we were walking on buttered toast on the slope of a knoll sometimes the mud is black and thick and deep-rutted like that which forms around the horse-ponds and villages and in these ruts there are lakes and puddles and ponds whose edges seem to be in rags the pleasantries of the wags who in the early freshness of the journey had cried quack quack when they went through the water are now becoming rare and gloomy gradually the jokers are damped down the rain begins to fall heavily the daylight dwindles and the confusion that is space contracts the last lingering light welters on the ground and in the water a steaming silhouette of men like monks appears through the rain in the west it is a company of the two hundred and fourth wrapped in tent-cloths as we go by we see the pale and shrunken faces and the dark noses of these dripping prowlers before they disappear the track we are following through the faint grass of the fields is itself a sticky field streaked with countless parallel ruts all ploughed in the same line by the feet and the wheels of those who go to the front and those who go to the rear we have to jump over gaping trenches and this is not always easy for the edges have become soft and slippery and earth falls have widened them fatigue too begins to bear upon our shoulders vehicles cross our path with a great noise and splashing artillery limbers prance by and spray us heavily the motor lorries are borne on whirling circles of water around the wheels with spurting tumultuous spokes as the darkness increases the jolted vehicles in the horses necks and the profiles of the riders with their floating cloaks and slung carbines stand out still more fantastically against the misty floods from the sky here there is a block of ammunition carts of the artillery the horses are standing and trampling as we go by we hear the creaking of axles shouts disputes commands which collide and the roar of the ocean of rain over the confused scuffle we can see steam rising from the buttocks of the teams and the cloaks of the horsemen look out something is laid out on the ground on our right a row of dead as we go by our feet instinctively avoid them and our eyes search them we see upright boot soles outstretched necks the hollows of uncertain faces hands half clenched in the air over the dark medley we march and march over fields still ghostly and foot-worn under a sky where ragged clouds unfurl themselves upon the blackening expanse which seems to have befouled itself by prolonged contact with so many multitudes of sorry humanity then we go down again into the communication trenches to reach them we make a wide circuit so that the rear guard can see the whole company a hundred yards away deployed in the gloom little obscure figures sticking to the slopes and following each other in loose order with their tools amid their rifles pricking up on each side of their heads a slender trivial line that plunges in and raises its arms as if in entreaty these trenches still of the second lines are populous on the thresholds of the dugouts where cart cloths and skins of animals hang in flaps squatting and bearded men watch our passing with expressionless eyes as if they were looking at nothing from beneath other cloths drawn down to the ground feet are projected and snores nom de dieu it's a long way the trampers begin to grumble there is an eddy and recoil in the flow halt the stop is to let others go by we pile ourselves up cursing on the walls of the trench it is a company of machine-gunners with their curious burdens there seems to be no end to it and the long halts are wearying muscles are beginning to stretch the everlasting march is overwhelming us we have hardly got going again when we have to recoil once more into a traverse to let the relief of the telephonists go by we back like awkward cattle and restart more heavily look out for the wire the telephone wire undulates above the trench and crosses it in places between two posts when it is too slack its curve sags into the trench and catches the rifles of passing men and the ensnared ones struggle and abuse the engineers who don't know how to fix up their threads then as the drooping entanglement of precious wires increases we shoulder our rifles with the butt in the air carry the shovels under our arms and go forward with lowered heads our progress now is suddenly checked and we only advance step by step locked in each other the head of the column must be in difficult case we reach a spot where failing ground leads to a yawning hole the covered trench the others have disappeared through the low doorway we've got to go into this black pudding then every man hesitates before engulfing himself in the narrow underground darkness and it is the total of these hesitations and lingerings that is reflected in the rear sections of the column in the form of wavering obstruction and sometimes abrupt shocks from our first steps in the covered trench a heavy darkness settles on us and divides us from each other the damp odour of a swamped cave steals into us in the ceiling of the earthen corridor that contains us we can make out a few streaks and holes of pallor the chinks and rents in the overhead planks little streams of water flow freely through them in places and in spite of tentative groping we stumble on heaped-up timber alongside our knocks discover the dim vertical presence of the supporting beams the air in this interminable tunnel is vibrating heavily it is the searchlight engine that is installed there we have to pass in front of it after we have felt our deep drowned way for a quarter of an hour someone who is overborne by the darkness and the wet and tired of bumping into unknown people growls i don't care i'm going to light up the brilliant beam of a little electric lamp flashes out and instantly the sergeant bellows ye gods who's the complete ass that's making a light are you daft don't you know it can be seen you scab through the roof the flash lamp after revealing some dark and oozing walls in its cone of light retires into the night not much you can't see it jeers the man and anyway we're not in the first lines ah that can't be seen the sergeant wedged into the file and continuing to advance appears to be turning round as he goes and attempting some forceful observations you gallows bird you damned dodger but suddenly he starts a new roar what another man smoking now holy hell this time he tries to halt but in vain he rears himself against the wall and struggles to stick to it he is forced precipitately to go with the stream and is carried away among his own shouts which return and swallow him up while the cigarette the cause of his rage disappears in silence the jerky beat of the engine grows louder and an increasing heat surrounds us the overcharged air of the trench vibrates more and more as we go forward the engine's jarring note soon hammers our ears and shakes us through still it gets hotter it is like some great animal breathing in our faces the buried trench seems to be leading us down and down into the tumult of some infernal workshop whose dark-red glow is sketching out our huge and curving shadows in purple on the walls in a diabolical crescendo of din of hot wind and of lights we flow deafened towards the furnace one would think that the engine itself was hurling itself through the tunnel to meet us like a frantic motor cyclist drawing dizzily nearer with his headlight and destruction scorched and half-blinded we pass in front of the red furnace and the black engine whose fly-wheel roars like a hurricane and we have hardly time to make out the movements of men around it we shut our eyes choked by the contact of this glaring white-hot breath now the noise and the heat are raging behind us and growing feebler and my neighbor mutters in his beard and that idiot that said my lamp would be seen and here is the free air the sky is a very dark blue of the same colour as the earth and a little lighter the rain becomes worse and worse and walking is laborious in the heavy slime the whole boot sinks in and it is a labour of acute pain to withdraw the foot every time hardly anything is left visible in the night but at the exit from the hole we see a disorder of beams which flounder in the widened trench Some demolished dugout just at this moment a searchlight's unearthly arm that was swinging through space stops and falls on us and we find that the tangle of uprooted and sunken posts and shattered framing is populous with dead soldiers quite close to me the head of a kneeling body hangs on its back by an uncertain thread a black veneer edged with clotted drops covers the cheek another body so clasps a post in its arms that it is only half fallen another lying in the form of a circle has been stripped by the shell and his back and belly are laid bare another outstretched on the edge of the heap has thrown his hand across our path and in this place where there no traffic except by night for the trench is blocked just there by the earthfall and inaccessible by day every one treads on that hand by the searchlights shaft i saw it clearly fleshless and worn a sort of withered fin the rain is raging and the sound of its streaming dominates everything a horror of desolation we feel the water on our flesh as if the deluge had washed our clothes away we enter the open trench and the embrace of night and storm resumes the sole possession of this confusion of corpses stranded and cramped on a square of earth as on a raft the wind freezes the drops of sweat on our foreheads it is near midnight for six hours now we have marched in the increasing burden of the mud this is the time when the paris theatres are constellated with electroliers and blossoming with lamps when they are filled with luxurious excitement with the rustle of skirts with merry-making and warmth when a fragrant and radiant multitude chatting laughing smiling applauding expanding feels itself pleasantly affected by the cleverly graduated emotions which the comedy evokes and lolls in contented enjoyment of the rich and splendid pageants of military glorification that crowd the stage of the music-hall aren't we there nom de dieu? shan't we ever get there the groan is breathed by the long procession that tosses about in these crevices of the earth carrying rifles and shovels and pickaxes under the eternal torrent we march and march we are drunk with fatigue and roll to this side and that stupefied and soaked we strike with our shoulders a substance as sodden as ourselves halt are we there ah yes we're there for the moment a heavy recoil presses us back and then a murmur runs along we've lost ourselves the truth dawns on the confusion of the wandering horde we have taken the wrong turn at some fork and it will be the deuce of a job to find the right way again then too a rumour passes from mouth to mouth that a fighting company on its way to the lines is coming up behind us the way by which we have come is stopped up with men it is the block absolute at all costs we must try to regain the lost trench which is alleged to be on our left by trickling through some sap or other utterly wearied and unnerved the men break into gesticulations and violent reproaches they trudge a while then drop their tools and halt here and there are compact groups you can glimpse them by the light of the star shells who have let themselves fall to the ground scattered afar from south to north the troop waits in the merciless rain the lieutenant who is in charge and has led us astray wriggles his way along the men in quest of some lateral exit a little trench appears shallow and narrow we must go that way no doubt about it the officer hastens to say come forward boys each man sulkily picks up his burden but a chorus of oaths and curses rises from the first who enter the little sap it's a latrine a disgusting smell escapes from the trench and those inside halt butt into each other and refuse to advance we are all jammed against each other and block up the threshold i'd rather climb out and go in the open cries a man but there are flashes rending the sky above the embankments on all sides and the sight is so fearsome of these jets of resounding flame that overhang our pit and its swarming shadows that no one responds to the madman's saying willing or unwilling since we cannot go back we must even take that way forward into the filth cries the leader of the troop we plunge in tense with repulsion bullets are whistling over lower your heads the trench has little depth one must stoop very low to avoid being hit and the stench becomes intolerable at last we emerge into the communication trench that we left in error we begin again to march though we march without end we arrive nowhere while we wander on dumb and vacant in the dizzy stupefaction of fatigue the stream which is running in the bottom of the trench cleanses our befouled feet the roars of the artillery succeed each other faster and faster till they make but a single roar upon all the earth from all sides the gunfire and the bursting shells hurl their swift shafts of light and stripe confusedly the black sky over our heads the bombardment then becomes so intense that its illumination has no break in the continuous chain of thunderbolts we can see each other clearly our helmets streaming like the bodies of fishes our sodden leathers the shovel-blades black and glistening we can even see the pale drops of the unending rain never have i seen the like of it in very truth it is moonlight made by gunfire together there mounts from our lines and from the enemies such a cloud of rockets that they unite and mingle in constellations at one moment to light us on our hideous way there was a great bear of star-shells in the valley of the sky that we could see between the parapets we are lost again and this time we must be close to the first lines but a depression in this part of the plain forms a sort of basin overrun by shadows we have marched along a sap and then back again in the phosphorescent vibration of the guns shimmering like a cinematograph we make out above the parapet two stretcher-bearers trying to cross the trench with their laden stretcher the lieutenant who at least knows the place where he should guide the team of workers questions them where is the new trench don't know from the ranks another question is put to them how far are we from the bocas they make no reply as they are talking among themselves i'm stopping says the man in front i'm too tired come get on with you nom de dieu!" says the other in a surly tone and floundering heavily his arms extended by the stretcher we can't stop and rest here they put the stretcher down on the parapet the edge of it overhanging the trench and as we pass underneath we can see the prostrate man's feet the rain which falls on the stretcher drains from it darkened wounded someone asked down below no a stiff growls the bearer this time and he weighs twelve stone at least wounded i don't mind for two days and two nights we haven't left off carrying em but it's rotten breaking yourself up with lugging dead men about and the bearer upright on the edge of the bank drops a foot to the base of the opposite bank across the cavity and with his legs wide apart laboriously balanced he grips the stretcher and begins to draw it across calling on his companion to help him a little farther we see the stooping form of a hooded officer and as he raises his hand to his face we see two gold lines on his sleeve he surely will tell us the way but he addresses us and asks if we have not seen the battery he is looking for we shall never get there but we do all the same we finish up in a field of blackness where a few lean posts are bristling we climb up to it and spread out in silence this is the spot the placing of us is an undertaking four separate times we go forward and then retire before the company is regularly echeloned along the length of the trench to be dug before an equal interval is left between each team of one striker and two shovelers incline three paces more too much one pace to the rear come one pace to the rear are you deaf halt there this adjustment is done by the lieutenant and a non-com of the engineers who has sprung up out of the ground together or separately they run along the file and give their muttered orders into the men's ears as they take them by the arm sometimes to guide them though begun in an orderly way the arrangement degenerates thanks to the ill-temper of the exhausted men who must continually be uprooting themselves from the spot where the undulating mob is stranded we're in front of the first lines they whisper round me no murmur other voices we're just behind no one knows the rain still falls though less fiercely than at some moments on the march but what matters the rain we have spread ourselves out on the ground now that our backs and limbs rest in the yielding mud we are so comfortable that we are unconcerned about the rain that pricks our faces and drives through to our flesh, indifferent to the saturation of the bed that contains us. But we get hardly time enough to draw breath. They are not so imprudent as to let us bury ourselves in sleep. We must set ourselves to incessant labor. It is two o'clock of the morning. In four hours more it will be too light for us to stay here. There is not a minute to lose every man they say to us must dig five feet in length two and a half feet in width and two and three quarter feet in depth that makes fifteen feet in length for each team and i advise you to get into it the sooner it's done the sooner you'll leave we know the pious claptrap it is not recorded in the annals of the regiment that a trenching fatigue party ever once got away before the moment when it became absolutely necessary to quit the neighbourhood if they were not to be seen marked and destroyed along with the work of their hands we murmur yes yes all right it's not worth saying go easy but everybody applies himself to the job courageously except for some invincible sleepers whose nap will involve them later in superhuman efforts we attack the first layer of the new line little mounds of earth stringy with grass the ease and speed with which the work begins like all entrenching work in free soil foster the illusion that it will soon be finished that we shall be able to sleep in the cavities we have scooped and thus a certain eagerness revives but whether by reason of the noise of the shovels or because some men are chatting almost aloud in spite of reproofs our activity wakes up a rocket whose flaming vertical line rattles suddenly on our right lie down every man flattens himself and the rocket balances and parades its huge pallor over a sort of field of the dead as soon as it is out one hears the men in places and then all along detach themselves from their secretive stillness get up and resume the task with more discretion Soon another star-shell tosses aloft its long golden stalk and still more brightly illuminates the flat and motionless line of trench-makers then another and another bullets rend the air around us and we hear a cry some one wounded he passes supported by comrades we can just see the group of men who are going away dragging one of their number the place becomes unwholesome we stoop and crouch and some are scratching at the earth on their knees others are working full length they toil and turn and turn again like men in nightmares the earth whose first layer was light to lift becomes muddy and sticky it is hard to handle and clings to the tool like glue after every shovelful the blade must be scraped already a thin heap of earth is winding along and each man has the idea of reinforcing the incipient breastwork with his pouch and his rolled-up greatcoat and he hoods himself behind the slender pile of shadow when a volley comes while we work we sweat and as soon as we stop working we are pierced through by the cold a spell seems to be cast on us paralyzing our arms the rockets torment and pursue us and allow us but little movement after every one of them that petrifies us with its light we have to struggle against a task still more stubborn the hole only deepens into the darkness with painful and despairing tardiness the ground gets softer each shovelful drips and flows and spreads from the blade with a flabby sound at last some one cries water the repeated cry travels all along the row of diggers water that's done it mellison's team's dug deeper and there's water they've struck a swamp no help for it we stop in confusion in the bosom of the night we hear the sound of shovels and picks thrown down like empty weapons the non-coms go gropingly after the officer to get instructions here and there with no desire for anything better some men are going deliciously to sleep under the caress of the rain under the radiant rockets it was very nearly at this minute as far as i can remember that the bombardment began again the first shell fell with a terrible splitting of the air which seemed to tear itself in two and other whistles were already converging upon us when its explosion uplifted the ground at the head of the detachment in the heart of the magnitude of night and rain revealing gesticulations upon a sudden screen of red no doubt they had seen us thanks to the rockets and had trained their fire on us the men hurled and rolled themselves towards the little flooded ditch that they had dug wedging burying and immersing themselves in it and placed the blades of the shovels over their heads to right to left in front and behind shells burst so near that every one of them shook us in our bed of clay and it became soon one continuous quaking that seized the wretched gutter crowded with men and scaly with shovels under the strata of smoke and the falling fire the splinters and debris crossed in all directions with a network of noise over the dazzling field. No second passed, but we all thought what some stammered with their faces in the earth were done this time. A little in front of the place where I am a shape has arisen and cried, Let's be off. Prone bodies half rose out of the shroud of mud that dripped in tails and liquid rags from their limbs and these deathful apparitions cried also let's go they were on their knees on all fours crawling towards the way of retreat get on allez, get on but the long file stayed motionless and the frenzied complaints were in vain they who were down there at the inn would not budge and their inactivity immobilized the rest some wounded passed over the others crawling over them as over debris and sprinkling the whole company with their blood we discovered at last the cause of the maddening inactivity of the detachment's tail there's a barrage fire beyond a weird imprisoned panic seized upon the men with cries inarticulate and gestures stillborn they writhed upon the spot but little shelter as the incipient trench afforded no one dared leave the ditch that saved us from protruding above the level of the ground no one dared fly from death towards the traverse that should be down there great were the risks of the wounded who had managed to crawl over the others and every moment some were struck and went down again fire and water fell blended everywhere profoundly entangled in the supernatural din we shook from neck to heels the most hideous of deaths was falling and bounding and plunging all around us in waves of light its crashing snatched our fearfulness in all directions our flesh prepared itself for the monstrous sacrifice in that tense moment of imminent destruction we could only remember just then how often we had already experienced it how often undergone this outpouring of iron and the burning roar of it and the stench it is only during a bombardment that one really recalls those he has already endured and still without ceasing newly wounded men crept over us fleeing at any price in the fear that their contact evoked we groaned again we shan't get out of this nobody will get out of it suddenly a gap appeared in the compressed humanity and those behind breathed again for we were on the move we began by crawling then we ran bowed low in the mud and water that mirrored the flashes and the crimson gleams stumbling and falling over submerged obstructions ourselves resembling heavy splashing projectiles thunder hurled along the ground we arrive at the starting-place of the trench we had begun to dig there's no trench there's nothing in truth the eye could discern no shelter in the plain where our work had begun even by the stormy flash of the rockets we could only see the plain a huge and raging desert the trench could not be far away for it had brought us here but which way must we steer to find it the rain redoubled we lingered a moment in mournful disappointment gathered on a lightning smitten an unknown shore and then the stampede some bore to the left, some to the right, some went straight forward, tiny groups that one only saw for a second in the heart of the thundering rain before they were separated by sable avalanches and curtains of flaming smoke. The bombardment over our heads grew less. It was chiefly over the place where we had been that it was increasing, but it might any minute isolate everything and destroy it the rain became more and more torrential a deluge in the night the darkness was so deep that the star-shells only lit up slices of water seemed obscurity in the depths of which fleeing phantoms came and went and ran round in circles i cannot say how long i wandered with the group with which i had remained we went into morasses we strained our sight forward in quest of the embankment and the trench of salvation towards the ditch that was somewhere there as towards a harbour a cry of consolation was heard at last through the vapours of war and the elements a trench but the embankment of that trench was moving it was made of men mingled in confusion who seemed to be coming out and abandoning it don't stay there mates cried the fugitives clear off don't come near it's hell everything's collapsing the trenches are legging it and the dugouts are bunged up the mud's pouring in everywhere there won't be any trenches by the morning it's all up with them about here they disappeared Where? we forgot to ask for some little direction from these men whose streaming shapes had no sooner appeared than they were swallowed up in the dark even our little group crumbled away among the devastation no longer knowing where they were now one now another faded into the night disappearing towards his chance of escape we climbed slopes and descended them i saw dimly in front of me men bowed and hunchbacked mounting a slippery incline where mud held them back and the wind and rain repelled them under a dome of cloudy lights then we flowed back and plunged into a marsh up to our knees so high must we lift our feet that we walked with a sound of swimming each forward stride was an enormous effort which slackened in agony it was there that we felt death drawing near but we beached ourselves at last on a sort of clay embankment that divided the swamp as we followed the slippery back of this slender island along i remember that once we had to stoop and steer ourselves by touching some half-buried corpses so that we should not be thrown down from the soft and sinuous ridge my hand discovered shoulders and hard backs a face cold as a helmet and a pipe still desperately bitten by dead jaws as we emerged and raised our heads at a venture we heard the sound of voices not far away voices ah voices they sounded tranquil to us as though they called us by our names and we all came close together to approach this fraternal murmuring of men the words became distinct they were quite near in the hillock that we could dimly see like an oasis and yet we could not hear what they said the sounds were muddled and we did not understand them what are they saying asked one of us in a curious tone instinctively we stopped trying to find a way in a doubt a painful idea was seizing us then clearly enunciated there rang out these words Achtung zweitz gestuge shush farther back the report of a gun answered the telephonic command horror and stupefaction nailed us to the spot at first where are we oh christ where are we turning right about face slowly in spite of all borne down anew by exhaustion and dismay we took flight as overwhelmed by weariness as if we had many wounds pulled back by the mud towards the enemy country and retaining only just enough energy to repel the thought of the sweetness it would have been to let ourselves die we came to a sort of great plain we halted and threw ourselves on the ground on the side of a mound and leaned back upon it unable to make another step and we moved no more my shadowy comrades nor i the rain splashed in our faces streamed down our backs and chests ran down from our knees and filled our boots we should perhaps be killed or taken prisoners when day came but we thought no more of anything we could do no more we knew no more end of chapter 23